0: Okay, hello everybody, and welcome back. Uh, I don't know if the previous uh, recording even saved because my whole internet crashed, and nothing worked anymore. I had to uh, restart the whole internet and uh, yeah, unplug it, plug it back in, and yeah, it was a catastrophe. It literally, I'm living in this flat now for maybe nine months with my girlfriend. It never happened. Never. I mean, it was, like, the worst timing ever. I would have preferred if it happened during a MotoGP race because nothing happens there anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, but I really hope somewhere those files are uh, stored that uh, Zcaster is doing, uh, like, a backup, backup, backup uh, of it. So, because it said it suggested to me that i should restart uh, or refresh the page and i did and everything was gone because i had no internet anymore but it showed me that i had a connection on my uh on my macbook so yeah that one was weird i really hope i find the files and if not uh, you basically uh, missed a lot like we we were showing off our dogs talking a lot about them uh we were discussing uh Jen being a creep, <laughs> uh, yeah, all of the stuff was going on in the paddock. I don't even know uh, where we stopped, but um yeah you you showed the Nini uh, of uh, Danilo. I mean, I have the ones of Remy here. It will be soon at my wall, and basically, what you did, I want to do it as well with the with the frame, and yeah, I don't know how to how to do it yet how did you do it because like with the knee sliders you get like a one or two centimeter cushion uh you, um, you need to have because the knee sliders obviously bigger than a piece of paper so how did you do yours
1: we should really my friend claudio has a whole collection so he's probably embarrassed i'm showing my one, but I have, <laughs> I have pins in there like push pins just holding it in there basically and then that right there is a piece of his suit that's autographed nice I'm like Silence of the Lambs over here. But this, I won that in a contest. I did not like that.
0: (laughs) I was wondering, how did you get that? Like, was he ripping it off his suit or cut it with the scissors or what?
1: No, so was it in 2018 or 2019? Revit, he's a Revit Racing. That's uh, the kind he wears. To get into some of their hospitalities overseas, they would make these bracelets and... I entered this contest for someone that had been at the UK round, and I won it. I couldn't believe it. So yeah, it's just a piece of his suit, and then it's stamped on the inside with rabbit racing, and he signed it. So I just got lucky, and I guess it was just an old promotional item, basically. But I was like, it does make you sit here and wonder, because, you know, you got the knee slider. How much stuff? I mean, where is all this stuff sitting, this used stuff, is what I want to know. Because I'd, yeah. I'd
0: take it off their hands, like especially helmets. Yes. When you have, when you have, for example, Darren Binder crashing 30 times a season, and I know for a fact every time you crash in a helmet, they put it in the trash or not the trash, put it somewhere I don't know where. We need to find out. Not that I want the Darren Binder helmet, but uh, <laughs> like like a different uh, helmet, I would take most of them, you know, and. Uh, they have to go somewhere. I mean, Remy uh, told me that uh, the helmets he crashed in, he has uh, some kind of a yeah wall he puts them up. And uh, when we went to his workshop, he had all of his leathers uh, hanging there, and some of his old bikes. And like when he won the championship, the uh, the front part of the bike uh, just. Yeah, just the carbon thing. I don't know what's what's it called Same, where the numbers bearings. on yeah, front the front, front fairings, bearings, yeah. right? He had this one so I guess a lot of riders have stuff like this with their letters with their helmets but like when you crash 30 times a season something uh eventually you're running out of space. It's like Valentino Rossi with all of his trophies like where is he putting it? Exactly.
1: So. I think that about the World Superbike guys like the second weekend I watched I was like What are they doing with three trophies a weekend? Well, I I don't know if they get a trophy for the sprint, but it's like out of control.
0: (laughs) I don't know. We have to ask uh, Alvaro Bautista, I guess, because or like Johnny Ray, he has to have like a whole warehouse of them. Like, you know, the SpongeBob episode where he have all the trophies uh, in his uh, his house and um, Patrick opens the door and all the trophies come out. Do you know it?
1: I don't know it, but this is how I picture Ray and Bautista and Valentino Rossi's houses to be.
0: (laughs) Yeah, especially now with the car racing, he he has a lot more trophies now.
1: Yeah, it's got to be out of control.
0: I really hope he'll be racing at the Nürburgring at the 24-hour race someday. Because like the Nürburgring has the big track, the Nordschleife, you know about it?
1: Well, didn't he do Nuremberg Ring last year or no?
0: No, I, I don't know. But if he did, it was just a GP track. And did okay. I don't like the GP track. It's shitty. It's like where the Formula One races uh, were. Like the notch life is the place you want to be. But it's, uh yeah, it's a rough track, you know. I mean, you have like a meter, maybe if you're lucky, two or three meters until the barrier. The thing is uh, 20 kilometers long and it's like old school racetrack. Like the thing is basically from a track layout, the same it was in the 1950s or 40s or 30s, whenever it was built. Like, I mean, I think it's not too far away that the Nürburgring is 100 years old. So it should be in the 90s now. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's really old. And the track layout in itself hasn't really changed. I mean, they, they kind of made certain areas of the track safer. For example, there's one, um, uh, the Flugplatz. It's, uh, it's basically, I don't know how to say it in English. Oh, I have to Google. Now I have my phone since so the continuity camera it doesn't work anymore. Um, but it was like a part of the track where uh, you go up a really steep hill And then all of a sudden it's flat. So the cars would jump a little bit. And one car was catching air underneath. And because uh, all the cars are flat from, uh, uh, from the downside, you know, it's uh, like you know those videos of the Lamar cars going flying, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. like this happened in he uh if in Nissan, I believe, was it? Flew into the uh into the fences and one fan died, I believe, and since then the whole area is like super um yeah, it's made twice as safe, I believe, because you can't go there anymore. The, the, there are two fences. And the part of the track where it's, uh, where it goes flat, they kind of made it, uh, less steep. So it's not like, like a jumping, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, they make made it a little bit more flat. Things like these happened. And obviously, like the safety standards are much better than in the 1950s, but like the track layout in, in itself hasn't changed a lot. And I really hope Valentino, uh, will, Uh, Of race there someday. Mm.
1: I haven't been keeping up as much with his car racing career, but I'll just see posts every now and
0: then. Yeah. I watched the 12 hours of uh, Mount Panorama. This was. I guess the the problem
1: for me is nothing is free here. I I have to, you know, if I want to watch anything, I have to pay for it. It's like.
0: But it's on YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube for free.
1: Oh, okay. That's good to know.
0: I just Googled it's um, the track section, funnily enough, where uh, the the car uh, was sent flying is called uh, Airfield. So, yeah. <laughs> How funny. But, but um, funnily enough, it's not because of the uh, hill where you go flying. It's because there was an old airfield next to it uh, okay. uh, sometime in the past. And,. Because of this, it's called Airfield. So, Yeah, but I really like the Nürburgring. It's such an incredible track, favorite track in the world, and the best track in the world. Unfortunately, it's super unsafe, um, and you can't really go there uh, with even GTA 3 cars are too fast. They're they're making them slower to be more safe on, on the ring. But yeah, it's still a very beautiful track. And if you have ever plan to go to uh, europe again you should definitely come to the networking i will show you around show you everything and you should have uh, seen it one time and you can even do the ring taxis where a professional racing driver uh drives you around the track and a friend of mine did this and i mean they're kind of expensive but i i would assume they're worth it worth it i never did this but a friend of mine, he has a, a tuned car. It's road legal, but he goes only for track days uh, with it. So, um, or for the tourist drives. Uh, I want him to take me uh, for a ride. But uh, yeah, you can do the ones with the professional racing drive and they apparently are so incredibly good. They're so fast and like the track isn't built for modern cars. It's like built for the cars <laughs> in the in the 1950s and they were hammering through the track like it was a race. And he was like, it's so crazy how fast the thing goes. And it was the Mercedes-AMG uh, AMG GT, I believe. And, yeah, it's it was crazy, he told me. But, yeah, if you're ever here, uh, you should definitely visit the Nürburgring. It's a great place. It's a very unusual place in mod- in modern motorsports. So, yeah, you should go there, and I hope Valentino is coming for the um, – for the 24-hour race someday
1: well my next european trip is austria so kind of in the area but uh i i don't really know what i'm gonna do i kind of am planning on flying into vienna just because i'm like i don't know what the fuck to do
0: yeah vienna is very beautiful uh my girlfriend told me she wants to take me there but uh, we haven't managed to do it and uh, yeah, I guess for American standards, everything in, in Europe is near. So
1: <laughs> It's true. Texas is so freaking big. When I went to Italy, I was like, I'm literally touching, like, the amount of countries I could travel to within just a couple hours just blew my mind. Yes, everything's close.
0: For me, I live in Western Germany. For me, going to the Netherlands, going to Belgium, like, even going to Austria, like, Poland or the Czech Republic. I've never been there, but if I want to go there, for example, to most uh, for the world Superbike, I would go by car. It's like a six to eight hour drive, depending where you go. Like Asen was two hours. So it's a really (sighs) nice, uh, really nice trip. Um, But for everything more, I like to fly like Italy. I'm flying Uh, Spain. I'm flying because I'm not doing a 24 hour car trip um how do you do it in america do you fly everywhere or what's going on
1: well it's just so big it's like uh to get to california it would take me 24 hours to drive so i flew and it was like a three-hour flight and then a 90-minute drive south so um i'm trying to think any other tracks i mean i never went to indy because i've lived in austin you know so I'm trying to think of other racing destinations. It's like I would have to drive to any of them unless I wanted to go see NASCAR in Dallas. <laughs> That's three hours away. <laughs> but uh, I guess IndyCar has ridden at the the track in. Yeah. I go, I used to go see more car racing, but not as much anymore. So it's funny that ever since drive to survive came out and more fans are flocking to F1, my F1 friends are like, no, I'm over it. So I've, it's kind of odd.
0: Austin is crazy. They have like half a million fans there, right?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's unreal. I mean, it can take hours to get in and out of there. I don't, I. that's not for me. I would like MotoGP to get to that popularity, but then again, it's like, eh, I kind of like it being a little bit of a secret.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like MotoGP being more of a niche sport, but Mm. I want to do... I want them to do a healthy good, you know, like, not like an extreme good like Formula One is doing because they're charging whatever the fuck they want for ticket prices and people are just buying it. They get half a million fans for like 500 euros or $500 a ticket, I would assume. Yes. And uh, it's absolutely crazy that a normal person can't even afford it anymore because it's like a whole vacation when you when you go with like... If me and my girlfriend want to go to an F1 race, we are, with everything, more of a thousand euros uh, are gone. Like, we went to spa because she uh, got tickets gifted uh, from her mom to her birthday. And then because of COVID, it didn't happen or whatsoever. I don't know. And yeah, then we went in 2021 to the worst F1 race in the history of Formula One. Where they had two laps behind the safety car, we were freezing the entire day. It was like in August, but it was like eight degrees or whatever, raining all the time, super windy. It was horrible. The tickets, I believe, they cost like three hundred fifty or whatsoever, and they were just and they they had the categories bronze, silver, and gold. And the bronze tickets were like the all access on the green uh, hills where you can just stand there and watch. Bronze, uh, uh, silver, I'm sorry, were like small grandstands, and the gold ones were like the good ones, like rouge or um, or the first corner, what's it called? I, I can't remember. But uh, yeah, or like the last chicane, the bus stop chicane, those were the golds, I believe. And uh, yeah, if you want to uh, go there and over a weekend, you have to pay for accommodation, traveling, all of this. It's like way over a thousand euros for two Person and it's crazy and for world SPK we paid like for the whole weekend 70 bucks we went there by car and oh, nice. at 70 bucks per person yeah. but we also slept in the car so we put a mattress <laughs> in the van and then slept in the back of the van it was like okay for one night but yeah. uh, I wouldn't I maybe would have done it for a second night but not longer <laughs> um, so yeah I feel like you get more value for your money because like yeah. my Formula 1 experience is the worst ever. I will never go there again. And with MotoGP, it's also very stressful in a sense that you get your seats assigned. For example, they say you you are in row B, seat 22 and 23. And they could be the worst seats in the house, but you can't go anywhere because they're assigned to you. And if it's rather full, you can't just change it. I mean, in Portugal, luckily... Uh we get shitty tickets as well because we always always have bad, bad luck with it. But Portugal was so few fans there that we just sat wherever we wanted and it was it was nice. But uh yeah with uh, World Superbike I really enjoyed that you could just go wherever the fuck you wanted, sit there, you get all access. You can go to the paddock, you can go in every grandstand, and I feel like it's a very oh. good series to try out a racetrack. Like if, for example, you have a place like Catalonia where they uh, where they race in two weeks and you think, okay, I would like to go to Catalonia, but I've never been there before. I would totally recommend going to a World SPK race because you could try everything out and when you have the perfect uh, seats, then you can uh, order like MotoGP or Formula One tickets because then you know, okay, I'm getting this and you, you kind of uh, have a very cool atmosphere where like a few fans are there but it's not like MotoGP gp level or formula one level and you can try everything out like from the traveling to the accommodation to where to park and where to go to uh, to get some food where to go to do to this to do that you know you can do it perfectly on a world superbike weekend while on the MotoGP gp weekend you for example, in Jerez, we had very good tickets at the Curva de Jojo Lorenzo, unfortunately. But yeah, I wanted to have the uh, last corner because <laughs> um, it's where all the shit's going on. You yes. can see very well, but we were very lucky. Uh, it wasn't too crowded, but yeah, we had good good seats, but we also had experience like in Misano. Um, we were at the uh, Brutapella 2, I believe. It's like uh, turn one, two, three, four, five, six. Those those four, five, six corners at the end. Yes. Um. Uh. We had like the ones the furthest furthest away, and it was so crowded that we couldn't sit anywhere else. So uh, it was kind of not shitty, but it was still good tickets. But it would have been nicer to just sit wherever we want it like on a world superbike weekend so yeah i can definitely recommend superbike too and like we talked previously i don't know if uh, i'm repeating myself now because the files are saved or if we tell something new but you can approach riders you have an open paddock you can go in there and meet uh, people and they're usually very friendly and i feel like when you're a normal human being with a normal sense of when you're interrupting someone and Doing something, or when they just have time to talk to you, like when you have this kind of sensibility to know if you're annoying or not, yes. <laughs> then uh, well, Superbike is a very great place. And they have like this podium ceremony in the paddock where all the fans go or can access, and it's like when the fans are here, like one or two meters away, all the bikes are parked, ah. and then all the uh, all, all the riders with the podium is there. So it's it's nice. And we also during the race there was a commentator who was commenting uh, on the race for all the fans in the paddock and um, oh, explaining okay. stuff and interacting with the fans, which was nice. And we watched the uh, the super sport uh, race there, race two there, where uh, Montella completely wiped out, did And uh, the the super for 300 race, we watched there too, because it's always a little bit annoying to go into the paddock to meet, for example, with Remy or with Zonta and then go back to the grandstands and go back, because everybody wants to go in the paddock and it's such a small tunnel where you have to go through and it's really crowded at this particular point in time, but Yeah. uh, yeah, but for trying out a racetrack, World SPK is super, super nice and much better and much Much more chill than MotoGP is.
1: Yeah, I had no idea that it was just open seating.
0: Yeah. I really really enjoy it. Especially like with MotoGP, I don't understand why you can't just say uh, whoever comes first can sit wherever they want.
1: Well, and also, okay, it sounds like you've been to a lot of tracks. I know that when I went to Misano, and I'm kind of looking at uh, Austria tickets as well, You, if you have a ticket in this grandstand, you can only go to this part of the track. Whereas at Circuit of the Americas, I have walked every corner of that track because you can go wherever the hell you want. And I mean, we watched the Moto3 race from the S's because I told my friend, Yes, we're at turn 15, but yes, same thing. Going from the paddock to the grandstand, it's it's like a mile. It was a really long walk, so I said, "Let's just watch Moto 3 from the S's, just so you can see this view." And yeah, it's nice to have that freedom, but then I have my grandstand ticket when I'm when it's good to go.
0: Yeah, personally, I think uh, the grandstands are like the worst tickets you can get because it's just a straight. But also, they are very nice because there are some benefits like a roof, which is nice when it's raining or when it's super sunny. And uh, you have usually a very uh, good big screen right in front of you. You see the starting procedure. You see the podium, which is nice. But... um, When I was in Austria, I was at the start finish straight in 2021 because uh, I was working for a company. I I mean, I was working for Daimler and we had a cooperation with the company who was sponsoring uh, the Red Bull Ring. And they gave me, uh, me and my girlfriend, two tickets for free. So I didn't complain about the seating. I just took it. But, um, and we saw Brad Binder doing incredible shit. in in the wet with uh slicks so this was nice oh,
1: 2021
0: yeah and yeah uh, last, and last year we came back and we sat at the new chicane uh with the valentino rossi fan club where i actually was on tv with my remy yes! merch <laughs> funny story remy gave it to me uh like an hour or two hours before like before the MotoGP gp warm-up he gave it to me or like three hours whatsoever but uh, yeah, story was I uh, I wanted to have some merch, but he only has the merch in Australia. So when you want to have it in Europe, you have to uh, you have to uh, pay like thirty five euros just for shipping, and it's so expensive. I asked him, hey, do you have some at home, and uh, what do you want for it? And he was like, no, I am just giving it to you. Don't worry. I was like, no, come on. Eh? So he's like, no, I don't want anything for it. Uh, so I gave him a little gift box as a as a thank you. And um, yeah, he gave me the cap and two shirts and I wore this today or not today. Uh, I wore this at the uh, super bike race as well. So yeah, it was really nice of him and we made it onto TV. So it was, it was uh, funny what? because Matt bird was saying all the Valentino Rossi fans and I was in the middle of the picture waving for, for my Remy. Just, I
1: sent you that screenshot. I'm sure 10,000 yeah. people did, but I was like, this you? Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, see, it's it's fun to wear the numbers of people that aren't, you know, everyone's got Rossi, now everyone's got Pecco, and everyone's got Fabio now. But, like, uh, Italian TV stopped me when I was in my Tony gear and asked to, or they just took some videos of me. You never know where this stuff ends up. Cutting room floor, obviously. But, yeah, it's fun when you you get to rep your, your guys that aren't quite, you know valentine
0: rossi level yeah and uh yeah with austria um i can really recommend you going to uh, the new chicane because basically you're seeing the exit of turn one i mean it's not too too good to see but you still kind of get get to uh, know what's going on then you see the chicane and then they're going into turn three going away and then they're coming back and you see the double left-hander again so Austria isn't necessarily a track where you see a lot but like on the chicane I feel like it's the best place to be because you can still see turn one a little bit you can see turn three a little bit obviously you have the chicane right in front of you you have um, the two left-hand corners there so it's nice but uh, from a fan experience uh, Valencia and Jerez are the best tracks from my experience so far. Okay. So,
1: and were you able to go to all different parts of the track or is it the same story as other tracks where you're just yeah. stuck in this area?
0: I mean, you can just go to this area and they're uh, checking your tickets at every grandstand. But when MotoGP was smart back then and had the Red Barookies Cup after the MotoGP race, uh, usually I stayed, uh, I stayed all the time to watch the uh, supporting classes because... A, I think it's interesting. I'm there to watch racing and you get racing. And B, all the people leave off the MotoGP so you're not in a traffic jam because you're chilling like two or three hours at the track. Yes. And uh, then we could go everywhere and nobody really cared, except in Portugal they were very strange in Portugal with the organization. And But Ooh. yeah, for everybody uh, wanting to attend a race, uh, I would definitely uh, – go to spain because they're very well organized and in jerez in the last corner you can see a lot you can see again the start and you see a little bit turn one but then you can see them coming back and the back straight is exactly behind you so when you're at the top of the grandstand, you can just turn around and see it and uh, then the whole part where they're um, coming back from the from the back straight, uh, those two left-handers before they go into the two right-handers, those two left-handers you see. And then where they're coming back from this kind of stadium section there, the uh, last three corners you see perfectly as well. So yeah, Jerez is very, very nice.
1: Have you been to Barcelona?
0: No, unfortunately not.
1: Fabio always rides well there, but it's again, I don't want to curse him by like saying that and going and then him not doing
0: well funnily enough uh, me and my girlfriend we have this joke going on that I uh, bring bad luck to Remy (laughs) because (laughs) hold on it makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense the first race we ever uh, attended uh, together was Austria in 2021 the first one I attended alone the second one in Austria in uh, 2021 she came so the first one Remy had a Okay, race, but made a mistake. In he was in P2, he had a really good race and going like for Marco Vizeki, but he made a mistake and ran wide and had like was like P5 whatsoever. So, like, his first mistake of the season. Second race, he had like a bad qualifying, was pushed a little bit wide in the first corner. Raul won the race, he lost very uh, a lot in the championship, and uh, yeah, first thing that happened. Then uh, I got to Misano, and Mizano, uh, he had also, like, a bad race, but unfortunately for Rule, fortunately for Remy, uh, Raul crashed out in the lead, so it ended up being a good race, but, like, only Remy, it still was, like, P8 or P7 or whatsoever. It wasn't necessarily a good race. Then Portimao, we went there as well. He broke his ribs, colliding with, uh, with uh, Marcos Ramirez, And somehow, I still don't know how he did it. He won the race, a beating role. Then...
1: Broken ribs?
0: Yeah. I don't understand how he did this. But I guess Clara uh, said to him, his girlfriend said to him, okay, uh, shut up and drive. Stop bitching around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he did it. He delivered. And basically uh, laid, laid the foundation for his world championship. So uh, then, in Valencia, he had a very good race. So, like Portugal was kind of weird because a he had a very good race, but he broke his ribs, and so I don't know. <laughs> but the f- the fun stuff is uh, is coming now. So uh, then um, he wins the title, obviously. And Valencia had a very good race, and everything's fine. Um, maybe Misano, Portugal, and uh, Valencia uh, was good for him because we didn't meet in Austria. We met then. <laughs> Then we record the podcast in 2022 in January. And he was like, hey, do you want to come to Rocco's tomorrow? I'm training there. We were like, sure. Then we went, drove up there and uh, had a little um, chat with Remy. He was was, uh, riding motocross and then broke his hand, landing on the handlebar. He didn't even crash. He just landed on the handlebar and broke his hand. And uh, like... Two weeks later, his first MotoGP test was. So incredibly bad timing for an injury. Yeah, then he had his uh, rookie season. And in Austria, we met again. This was when KTM dropped the news that they won't resign him. (laughs) And uh, yeah, then we went to Rockles for the Christmas DT. Uh, Nothing happened there. He didn't uh, injure himself. So everything's fine. Um, now we went to Assen and uh, he invited us into the box before uh, before the the race, after the warm-up showed us the bike and we made the picture together and my hand was on the bike. So <laughs> me and my girlfriend all the time were joking, uh, I bet his bike breaks down. <laughs> fortunately, uh, fortunately, it uh, didn't and he ended up uh, with a solid weekend. But yeah, I feel like the correlation of Bad stuff happening to Remy in his career and also in Austria. Also in Austria in 22, uh, he crashed. So, oh God. Yeah. And the correlation between bad stuff in Remy's career and me attending a race is pretty big and it's a little bit concerning.
1: <laughs> no, maybe it's turning around with his world yeah, superbike hopefully. career because you touched the bike. Yeah, we're all hopefully. Good.
0: Hopefully. We're all good. Hopefully. I'm, I'm trying to manifest it and I told Clara about it uh, and she was at the beginning like no you're not bringing that and now she uh, thinks it's funny too so <laughs> she kind of accepted it no but uh, like I hope this is over now and we only have positive experience now I'm I'm glad I didn't uh, flow to Australia where he wiped out Dominic <gasps> Eggert. <laughs> For real
1: though. That was some Yamaha and Yamaha violence. And then he yeah. was sick in the next round. Or
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thailand?
0: No, Indonesia. Indonesia. Yeah.
1: Indonesia. Oof.
0: Yeah, nice. so uh I I think it's funny how we both find found our way to World SPK with our favorite writers, you with Petrucci, me with Remy being there, so it had to be nice that uh, that he was in uh in what America, America last year right
1: uh it was freaking awesome and like a dream come true and I thought people were sending me fake news stories because I mean he was like my favorite of favorites and yes it was awesome and then things turned really quickly I feel like he started compl- like he went from everyone loves him well I still loved him to everyone started hating him because of his attitude. <laughs> I don't know. I think he wasn't used to these kind of uh, janky tracks that weren't as nice. And I mean, obviously the, I don't know, it would be the hospitalities and everything. It was just a much lower class racing than he was used to. I'm not sure. And also it seemed like he was flying over back and forth between Italy and here. That had to be rough. So I still loved him and was excited and got to go see him right at Laguna Seca, which it was it was fucking incredible. I mean, taught some of the best experiences of my life, beautiful weather, beautiful people and seeing him come up over the corkscrew and just send it a few times. Unbelievable. So yes, I'm so thankful we had those years. I'm so, or year, it was one year. I'm so thankful. I went to see him while he was here. And now I'm thinking, I've only heard good things about going to world Superbike, like the access and and now that I know it's open seating too, like, yes, this is a good way to scout out locations, but I just need to figure out what round. I feel like I'm done on traveling this year. I'm going to go to Austria and that's it. But if Top Rack and Danilo are still riding in it in 2024, maybe I'll make my way overseas. I just need to figure out what round would be best.
0: I mean, you could still make the end of the season work somehow. Ah!
1: I'm supposed to go to the UK with a non-Moto friend. That's my problem in life. I need more uh, Moto friends that want to travel
0: with me. (laughs) I mean, I would like to go to Most, but I don't know if I'll be able to make it. I mean, it's not like that I'm busy, but my girlfriend has a couple of horses and she's doing it on a rather professional level. And you can't just leave them at home and do nothing with them because... It doesn't matter if it's Christmas. It doesn't matter if it's your birthday. It doesn't matter if it's raining, if it's sunny, if Moto on, if uh, whatsoever. I, on my birthday, I, uh, I, have a br- I have my birthday on the 1st of May. And she has a competition there with a the horse. So, because like that's like, I'm not even mad, you know. It's it's yeah. not too important to me because I'm with my mom anyways. And yeah, but uh, it's, it's like this... Every time because the horses, they're the priority, obviously, because you just can't leave them there. So, um, yeah, it's always tricky to do something, but uh, I mean, I, I try to support her uh, as much as I can, and I love that she's doing the sport. And I, I really, uh, tr- I'm trying to understand it as much as possible, and I'm really liking it. I mean, as far as as uh as long as she's riding because at the end of the day i don't necessarily care too much about others yes. <laughs> but yeah because of this it's a very difficult to um it's very difficult to go to a lot of races so you know
1: yeah i say that man if i lived in europe i would be they would be saying there's that crazy bitch with the horns because i would be in every round possible oh my god i wish maybe someday Maybe someday I'll hit more than one MotoGP race in a year because what my dream was forever was the, oh, was it the Czech? Czech? Bruno. Yes. That track and Austria used to always be back to back in either July or August. And I was like, that's it. Both those tracks look, because for me, I just look at the beauty of the track and that's what I want. I know other people have other reasons for having favorite tracks, but I was like, the- "That's my dream, back to back. I'm gonna do it someday." And then, of course, they dropped that round in what 2021, 2020, but yeah, yeah, in
0: 2020, Brett Binder won, so it had to be 21.
1: Yeah, so they just haven't had is yeah they haven't had any back to backs that I'm crazy. The schedule's all over the place too. Like you, you- can't plan anything anymore.
0: Yeah, you can go to Kazakhstan. <laughs>
1: really gonna happen i want to talk to more people about that is it
0: i am very very convinced that either india or kazakhstan is not happening and is being replaced by aragon i'm very sure
1: i believe that i believe that
0: i would bet money on it
1: i feel bad for the fans that live there but i haven't uh, in all my years of my page i haven't had a message from someone from kazakhstan but maybe you're out there somewhere (laughs)
0: Yeah, but I regarding what you just said about Daniele Petrucci, I'm just thinking about it while you were talking about like Bruno and all the beautiful tracks. Like, I feel like the track in Austin from a condition standpoint is one of the worst in MotoGP in the MotoGP calendar. I mean, with the different types of asphalt, all the bumps, and like no grip, and everybody's complaining. When when you have a track, for example, like us, everything is perfect there. nobody ever complains about us, you know? Or Aragon, for example, even though it's not on the calendar anymore, you know? But for Danilo Petrucci to have this one as the best track <laughs> because everything else is so <laughs> further down on the quality <laughs> standard. I mean, we... I watched my first Motor America race today. I watched race one and two of, uh, yeah, I Atlanta, I believe they raced because yes. I saw the I saw the Instagram reel of Moto America where the last lot battle land They had some really good races, so and I figured out that they're streaming it on YouTube. So I guess I I'll watch it some more.
1: Oh, it's not paid anymore because it was free forever, and then the last two years you've had to pay. Well, maybe you can watch playbacks. I should look into that because I I did enjoy watching the racing and I know a lot of the riders' names because I watched the full season last year.
0: Yeah, I figured out a couple of them are following me. So, Ooh, Matthew Good.
1: Skoltz is my favorite. He's on Westby yeah. Racing. Like yeah,
0: him. he's following me. Cam Robier. Ah! is following me. Watch then out. a couple of others. I, I'm not too familiar with their names now. Uh, I will have to look it up. And you know, this, this, the broadcaster uh, lady, the one with the red hairs, and she's Hannah. together. She's married to the one Kyle won... Wyman. Yeah, yeah. Those two <laughs> are following me too. I found out what? today.
1: She was at, uh, at, uh, Coda this year, and I was like, oh, it's Hannah. See, I'm too much, I'm too much of a fangirl to be make, you're talking about having conversations with people, and I'm just too much like, oh, it's Hannah.
0: How was it when uh, when you met Tony because I feel like your your energy with Tony they kind of match.
1: <laughs> yes, I was being a little over the top and extra because I just felt comfortable with him and I was just chattering on about oh, I tried to find you and I was in Italy and he was like, "Ah, well you've got me now." And then I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> and then my friend was being really insistent like, "Let's take a group photo. Let's take a group photo." And I was like, Okay, and Tony said, maybe she wants me to herself. And I was like, yes, that's why I'm laughing in all my photos. I have like 55 chins, because I'm just laughing. I don't know. Yeah, he's very high energy, and I'm very high energy. So it was a nice, it was a nice meeting to talk to him on Thursday when it was chill.
0: Okay, quick rundown. <laughs> yes, um,
1: tell me all your famous follows.
0: Um, Corey Alexander.
1: I'm not familiar. You know who would know all of these? Everything motor racing.
0: Yeah, of course. But Max Max Flinders isn't following me. This is really annoying. Oh,
1: come on!
0: So, yeah. (laughs) Hannah uh, Loper, apparently. Yes, yep. Nola Lampkin. Nolan Lampkin. He's racing motor America. Cam Peterson.
1: Yes!
0: Kyle (laughs) uh, Wyman. uh, Nice. James Rispoli.
1: The name sounds familiar. Is that a racer or is that an announcer?
0: No, James uh, Rispoli, he's ra- racing for the Braggers. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm getting into Modern America. I can't have too many uh things that I'm watching. And he's not racing in Modern America, but uh, Max Toth or Max Toth, he's ra- riding for the American Racing Team in the European Championship Model oh, okay. 2, so basically nice. a Spanish Championship. Yeah. So yeah.
1: You got a bunch of blue check marks following you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying.
1: You're like no big deal.
0: Frankie's <laughs> my- following me.
1: He liked one of the posts I saw the other day, and I was like, Franco Morbidelli liked this post.
0: <laughs> he even he even uh, DM'd me after Argentina. Uh, he was uh, because I tagged him in my memes, and he was like, "Man, uh, man with a couple of uh, laughing smileys." So that was oh, cool. I love- yeah, I love Franco, so cool.
1: he is so freaking cool. Yeah. I For love example, Frank I would
0: love so to that. meet him. This would be worth buying a paddock pass, like meeting him. Or I would love to talk to Alonso Lopez or Manu Gonzalez. Like, I Manu would really...
1: Gonzalez was, I mean, these people are everywhere. You need to, well, I know Austin's a shithole, but you should come to Austin and get a paddock pass because you could have. I saw Alonzo on weekend. Yeah, I saw all these guys all weekend. You could do it. You should do it. Yeah. Although no one likes Austin. But
0: <laughs> But also no, I mean Austin I feel like is a cool track, but it would be so much of an effort for me to go there because I would have to fly from here to America with like 6 hours or 8 hour flight for more, and yeah. I'm not doing this for a weekend, so I have to stay there for like three weeks or something. Then you have to have accommodation for three weeks and all of this stuff. And you know, when I'm going to America, I want to have the full program. I want to be firing guns. I want to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I no! want to do all the shit that is it's, illegal here.
1: Yes, it's so. I don't know why I'm so embarrassed when all the writers come here and they go. I'm like. Man, if I want to meet up with everyone, I just got to go to the the range. That's the swanky. Um, it's called the range in Austin. It's the swanky gun range in my neighborhood, pretty much. But yeah, it's like everyone comes here. It's it's because it's illegal where you are. Yeah, okay. it's the same.
0: It's the same with Germany. As soon as they come here, they're going to the highway and just flooring <laughs> it. And everywhere you see these Instagram stories with people going 250 kilometers an hour on a rental car
1: what do what do I need to do when I go to Austria?
0: I mean Austria is not that special unless you like mountains I do I mean, like if, mountains if you like mountains, it's great for hiking and uh yeah just enjoying nature. It's really beautiful and it has Vienna, which is apparently very beautiful. My girlfriend yeah. wants to take me uh there she was at the um at the yeah, where all the royals were buried, I don't know. And, yeah, it's it's apparently super beautiful. She wants to take me there. But, uh, yeah, apart from that, Austria isn't too spectacular.
1: Can't do anything, yeah. Y'all just need to come to the U.S. to shoot some guns yeah. and eat some burgers, I guess.
0: You know, a small part of me wants to buy, like, 40, 50 acres of land and just be there by myself, and you can't do this in Europe. So just go to the U.S., have, like, a small motocross track on your property, <gasps> Have like a couple of animals and just live your life when nobody annoys you.
1: That would be so awesome. You see some of these guys that I don't know if they're private tracks or not, but like where Tony and Fabio trained when they were here in California training in the winter. And I'm like, that would be so baller to just have your like have land to do that. Yeah. And you can see some of the Moto America guys that I follow do the same thing. Guess I never thought about that we have a lot of land yeah but my house is so small so i don't think but about this is it.
0: this is like also a problem because i grew up in a small village we had like 4000 uh, people there but in a matter of like half an hour i'm in one of the biggest cities in germany so and i mean we have Bonn there this is the capital city of western germany back then and now again it's berlin so yeah, we have this, we have Cologne, we have Dusseldorf, uh, we have Frankfurt not too far away. It's like a two hour drive or whatsoever. Yes. And like we discussed earlier, like if you want to go to California, for example, to watch uh, Laguna Seca or go to the Indy, you know, it's so far away. And how long do you drive from Austin to like tech, uh, to Dallas?
1: That would be three and a half hours. That's three and a yeah, half that's hours. Like, north. That's like the
0: next biggest city, right?
1: Yeah, San Antonio's 90 minutes south, and Houston's like three hours, what is that, east? So I'd say, yeah, Dallas and Houston are both about three and a half, three hours in opposite directions. Yeah, imagine
0: needing to drive like three hours to the next biggest city, you know?
1: I can't even think of what's outside of that. Oklahoma City is like six hours away. Ugh, but who wants yeah, to but go there?
0: What do you want in Oklahoma City? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I know, I always wonder if people know, you know, when I throw out these cities, it's like, do you even know where Oklahoma is or what that is?
0: I mean, I feel like in Europe, we have a much better understanding on what's going on in America than Americans having a understanding on what's going on in Europe.
1: It's true. It's true. I guess being in contact with so many friends that I've met through my page over the years, I feel a little bit more in touch with what's going on. but i i don't even scratch the surface and my friend i mean when that uh earthquake hit turkey my mom will tell me all the horrors that are happening in the u.s and because she watches you know whatever on tv and then i was like but did you hear what happened in turkey no she didn't Do you know how many people died it's like for, it's just a different world over here yeah different.
0: for most americans turkey is probably just the animal they eat on thanksgiving
1: Oh, that's so embarrassing!
0: I mean, with the Model GP calendar, you basically get to know most European countries. But ask like a standard American uh, basic bitch to name three countries in Europe, and they're not able to do it. So it's it's crazy.
1: Yeah, it is hard though. You just named all those cities in Germany, and I'm like, I know where Bonn is at, kind of.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, with Germany, you you basically just need to know five things. Or maybe six if you're into cars. You need to know Munich, you need to know Berlin, Hamburg, and Cologne. Those are like the four big cities. Okay. And uh like Stuttgart is when you're into cars because Porsche is from there, Mercedes is from there, and the whole uh Ruhrport area where like Dortmund, Gelsenkirchen, Duisburg, Essen, all those all those cities are basically one city, but they're still different cities, but they're so condensed because uh, of the history with the coal there and all of the Industrial Revolution. Everything was condensed in this area, So, but it's not the nicest place to be. So if you know those four big cities, then you're good. And if you know that you shouldn't go to France, then you're very, very educated.
1: I just need, I should actually look at my family tree because uh, four generations back, my family came over from Germany on my dad's side. So I don't oh, even yes. know what part of the country we're from. But I have been told, speaking of France, not to connect through France. So I just always check that as the airport I don't want to connect.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, France in itself is like a beautiful country with all the history, but um, French people. Broadly speaking, uh, they tend to have some, or maybe it's just a stereotype, you know, I don't know, but um, they tend to have a little bit of an arrogance because they're French. And for example, if you approach them in English, because you don't speak French, even though they know English, they won't talk to you back in English and say, oh, I will only talk French with you. So, And uh, a colleague of mine, he went to Marseille, I believe uh some some or Nizza he went to Nizza, and um basically he told me in Nizza you have like two or three roads which are safe, and uh he went into the wrong road with his friends, and they were immediately robbed and uh punched, and he came back like with a uh, with a blue eye and was in the hospital, and he told me that the hospital people were super unfriendly. Because they just wanted to have him out. And yeah, his whole vacation was ruined. He was like, never again. But yeah, France is a special place.
1: <laughs> See, that, and that's so interesting that they, like, the. I don't know if that's stereotype or real, that they're not friendly people. But I noticed when I was in Italy, <laughs> I just want to smile at everyone because that's yeah. just what I do. And I feel like, because that's what I do to make people feel comfortable in my mind. But to them, I think I was making them feel uncomfortable. <laughs> so I guess, I don't know, if in Austria I need to tell... I'll just try to not be so...
0: Yeah, there were a lot of American peoples when I went to uh, Florence last year. And you could usually spot them by Americans just being the loudest. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> you think? <laughs> oh, No. Well, it's true, but when I was by myself, I wasn't being loud. I yeah, of was...
0: course, but there are also always these tourist groups where they're communicating, uh, um, like standing uh, two or three meters apart, but communicating like it was 20 meters. So you, you could hear the Americans everywhere, and you would they make themselves known that they're Americans.
1: i How can I go full incognito? I can't be incognito. <laughs> I'm a large person. That with a loud laugh, and I have to wear yeah. devil horns, so I I can't be incognito.
0: Uh. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be incognito, at least like the thing how it works in Germany is just shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just mind your business. Don't talk to anybody. Nobody cares what you're doing. You don't care what everybody else is doing. It's just more or less you do you. But uh, yeah, with Italy. I really love being in Italy. It's such a nice place. The people are super friendly there. I basically make no bad experience there. And uh, with Spain, basically the same. Spain is super chill. And Do you
1: speak any – or do you or your girlfriend speak any Spanish or no?
0: Um, Not really. I mean okay. – basic spanish i had in school but uh, it's not it's not too good but uh, i feel like spain is the cultivated version or like the, the more cultivated version of italy italy is more like like those two countries are pretty similar i feel like but italy is like a bit more raw you know spain is a little bit more cultivated so um for example in spain usually the people speak very good english when you want to have something um you can communicate with them the whole infrastructure is a little bit better than in italy so but italy is a very nice place i love to be it and it's it has like some kind of a charm that it's it's the way it is so i really love being there it's so amazing and uh yeah, Spain as well. Portugal was cool as well even though they couldn't organize a GP by any means. Yeah, that I kind mean, of put
1: me off your experience with the track.
0: I mean, if you know what you what you're expecting, then it's yeah. cool. If you know what you need to do, but uh if you don't know, then then you're yeah, then you're in for a bad treat. But for example, we had a rental car. We went to the track and in Spain, for example, Parking is free everywhere. You can just park and go to the track. It's super nice. And you have people telling you, okay, park there, then go to the track. And um, it was super nice. In Portugal, we came to the track, and the police officer told us, where's your parking ticket? I'm like, I have no parking ticket. I have a MotoGP ticket. He's like, yeah, you need to go to the city and buy your parking ticket. Then we go back to the city where obviously there's a huge traffic jam because it's the middle of the fucking city and everybody's going there to uh, buy this stupid parking ticket which was sold in a museum. And there was a line of 200 people getting uh, this parking ticket. And obviously you can't park there (laughs) because everybody's there. So, yeah, yeah, it was horrible. Then go back to the track, park there, walk to the... um, to the grandstands and then they're checking your bags and you can't bring drinks. You can't bring food. You can't bring your camera because for safety reasons, because somebody could throw their camera on track, for example, it's, it's so stupid.
1: This sounds even more strict than circuit of the Americas. We can at least bring cameras. We just can't bring anything else. Like guns. (laughs) I can't bring my guns and I can't bring my camera. No,
0: No, but For example, with the food, it was okay-ish because we just ate it then and went in. But if you have an expensive camera, you need to go all the way back to your car and uh, put it back into your car. And it was like in 2021 at the end of the year in Portugal. So there weren't a lot of people there because it was, uh, they were substituting an Asian race, I believe. And... Basically, we were alone in a 25 to 30 meter radius on the grandstand. There were some other people here and there, but basically nobody was there. It was obviously on, in, on the outside uh, with the wind blowing, but still you had those stupid uh, safety officers running around and telling everybody that they need to put the mask on. So we were, yeah, it's no incredibly one around. stupid. And basically the whole process was, we put our mask on, the dude walks by, we put it back uh, off. Then he comes back, say, hey, put your mask on. We're like, yep. And then he walks back, we put it back off. It, went, it was like this 10 times and everybody did it. So it was super stupid. And um luckily we were by car there because they had this great idea, which wasn't this great at all, um, to have a lot of shuttle buses there, which is in itself, it's a good idea. So, but they had a way too uh, many people for the shuttle buses they um, they brought. So there were so many people just standing there waiting on their bus to get out, and the buses uh, were full getting out, and they had to wait there for so long. So uh, yeah, if you know what you're up to in Portugal, it's a beautiful trek. It's a it and you can work your way around the organization. And for example, with the food, I don't know if it's still the same or if it's just some kind of COVID uh, rule or whatsoever, I don't know. But uh, yeah, you can work around it. But personally, I would rather go to Spain because Spain is super convenient. You just yeah. go to the track by car, they say park here, then you walk into the uh, onto the track and basically enjoy your life there. And then you yeah. go back.
1: Because yeah, for me, I'm looking at, places where it's easy for me to fly into and use public transportation to get to. And it's like, I want to go to Magello, but how the hell do I get there?
0: <laughs> yeah. I so, mean, a rental car makes your life life a lot easier with uh, racetracks because they're usually pretty far away from any civilization.
1: Yeah, true. I just got lucky with Misano because everything was walking distance.
0: Yeah, Misano was great. But with Misano, um, yeah, we. The parking situation wasn't necessarily the best when we were there. Um, but apart from that, everything was fine. Misano was also a very, very nice race.
1: Yeah. We'll see where I end up in the future after Austria. Yeah. If I survive Austria.
0: <laughs> Austria is a bit tricky with accommodation because they have this camping space there, but all the hotels in the radius there are super expensive so you have to basically have a rental car and then go to an Airbnb which is further away but yeah also you can sleep in the car if you're <laughs> if you're pretty greedy i'm not i need a shower <laughs> yeah i mean it's okay for one night but it's rough
1: I'm in it for all three. We'll get it, and I think it's a Moto E weekend as well. So it'll be long days.
0: Yeah, but I don't know how they how they're doing this with the with the supporting classes now because they said that they want to have the Moto GP at the end. Oh, of each day. You know, is so Moto
1: E get a race really? Like, I'm not. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because phone. the rookies cup in Portugal, the rookies cup race two was like 8 a.m. on the Sunday or. It was super early. Yeah. Huh. I'll
1: have to look into it then. I hope I don't. Yeah. I need to look into that because I, Moto E, I love it.
0: Yeah. But if you need any advice or whatsoever, uh, please feel free to contact me. If I was at the track, then I will give you some advice. And also, go to a world superbike race because it's so much better for a fan.
1: Yeah. It sounds like it. And just. I like the idea of being at the podium celebration, too, even though you said it's very crowded. But I could, in theory, get down there.
0: Well, in Assen, you had to kind of work your way around it. Because after the race, everybody was leaving to get into the into the paddock. But because the race was so boring, we just left with uh, two laps uh, to go, and it was free. So...
1: Yeah. yeah. That's what I did with uh, Moto America. We ran down the hill from the corkscrew with 3 laps left so we could be in Park Ferme because it seemed like Danilo was going to get a podium and I was like, I want to be there for that moment. And yeah, there is something magical because in Moto GP Park Ferme is like the crews and the family and the friends and that's it. But being that close at Moto America, it it does. I know I'm just a fangirl, but it makes you feel special and like you're you're part of the history in some way. I love it. So, yeah, I need to give World Superbike a try, I think.
0: I was talking with uh, Zonta about it, and he said, basically, when you're on the podium, you want to celebrate with your team because you're doing it for them, and it's a better experience. So he prefers the GP way. But he also said when you're a fan and you want to uh, attend the races and see your favorite riders, well, the SPK is much better.
1: Yeah, I could understand that. That's a, I could see it from both sides. Just like when Pecco and Fabio both said they don't want fans in the paddock, I was like, okay, I understand. It really hurts. But then I still can't help myself, and there I am with my paddock <laughs> six months later <laughs> whatever i can't help myself i try to be respectful and you can tell who's shy and who's not and yeah hopefully yeah. i won't get uh like banned by Dorna someday for being an annoying fan or something but i just kind of stay away i get my picture and then peace
0: yeah yeah i mean it's super stressful if everybody wants something from you i mean exactly. when we were talking with uh zanta we were talking for like two minutes. Then somebody came up and asked him for a picture. Talk for two minutes. And this was like a process which went over 20 or 30 minutes. So, yeah, it was... He was super professional. But if I was him, I would be annoyed. But at the end of the day, it's part of your job. And if they're fans, you know, it's cool at the end of the day for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can see... It. Again, I see it both ways. I just try not to get too greedy even though i'll never forget some man pushing me up to fabio and saying this is what he gets paid for because he saw me in the fabio shirt and i was like jesus christ i already like i already had had my picture with this was in 2019 i already had my picture with him and it made me feel real awkward because in my mind i'm like they don't owe me anything like yeah. look, i don't know so some people everyone has a different thought process of um how how what what we should get and expect from these writers but i that ain't me
0: yeah especially a writer like fabio has a lot of fans it's pretty exhausting i guess
1: yeah at that time he didn't quite as much it was when he was still early part of his rookie season but yeah i've definitely seen his popularity grow and and i love it but yeah i can see how it can pull suck the life out of you (laughs)
0: I feel like all those 13-year-old puberty girls who fell in love with Marc Marquez kind of transitioned to uh, Fabio.
1: Yes, agree! <laughs> who was it before that, though? I started watching in 2017. Who was the hot... Oh, Ianone was a real hot... Sh- yeah? He was a hot one.
0: I mean, Jorge Lorenzo definitely wasn't.
1: I was like, he had his fangirls, though.
0: Yeah, but I feel like Jorge Lorenzo doesn't have fans. He just has people who kind of um, get pushed towards him because they don't like Valentino. So Uh, it's not like that they are really liking him. It's more that they are liking the guy who's battling with Vale. mm. That's my theory about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Poor Jorge. Now he's living his best life. I don't feel sorry for him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Jorge is doing Jorge
1: things. (laughs) And blocking you.
0: Are you blocked? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, sorry. He just.
0: Peko blocked blocked me as well. Yeah.
1: When? Like
0: a couple of uh, weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago.
1: Really?
0: Yeah, but what I've heard, Peko is rather sensitive in the sense. I don't feel like I'm insulting him too much. I'm just making fun of him crashing all the time and the drunk driving, you know, and what he said about the bike when when, uh, he crashed, like it's too stable. But three weeks earlier, he said this bike is developed for my riding style. So, yeah, he's doing everything that people don't like you, you know.
1: Man, but to get blocked after so many years, I'm sure you've made fun of him several times over the years. You had a good run with him at least.
0: <laughs> yeah, I will continue to make fun of him, but uh
1: <laughs> my page is the complete opposite of yours. I I ca- I get too nervous to even post anything that could be slightly inflammatory. I'm like Ugh! I'm just too, I don't know, I'm too scared and too nice. I'm not nice though. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a, I'm a-
0: no, but that's that's where the fun is, you know. I mean, yeah. it, it's not like I—at least this is the way I uh, view it. I make fun of them in a funny way, you know. It's not like I'm purely insulting them, purely being evil, you know. But sometimes there's a lot of uh, memes who are like at the at the kind of border towards the evil side.
1: But Dark side and the light yeah,
0: side, <laughs> but I don't feel like I'm crossing the line too much. And you know, when you have like three riders who blocked me, I believe, or in this area around, but a lot of riders are following me. So
1: exactly, yeah, and it all evens out in the end. It's it's entertainment. It's memes. You're not called Bad Moto GP like news page. You know, it's like it's comedy. People have to. Yeah take it but whatever i'm sensitive too so i'd probably be blocking people too
0: (laughs) like simon patterson blocking everybody
1: i got to meet uh, well he said he'd met me before but i got to meet him and maddie uh, at coda this year what did you do i didn't know no i just met them in the paddock said hello Oh, okay yeah i didn't i'm like the worst you know people are like give me some barbecue suggestions it's like I'm a vegetarian. And then give me some nightlife suggestions. I don't go out. Like I said, I'm the most boring person in Austin, Texas. I have shotguns though. So I've got that to my name and I've got yeah. these guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I'm not the, the tour guide for Austin, but I, I still manage to get friends here and we have fun. But if, if anyone wants food recommendations, I am or <laughs> nightlife. It ain't
0: me. <laughs> I met uh, Maddie and uh, Simon in Austria, and it was really nice. We uh, They invited us to their camping site, and we talked a lot about MotoGP and other stuff, and we were making pizza. So it was nice. It was very, to, very nice.
1: I need to do more of that. Yeah, just meeting people and not just being like... It's just austin weekend it really is so busy and i have my friends stay with me and i don't know it's like a family reunion in a way so
0: yeah but it's beautiful in a way yeah in your way this is the perfect weekend for you
1: it is and i wish i wish it could be every weekend yeah but now i have to i was just working out today and thinking man that's like what i look forward to all year and now what do i have but i can look forward to austria it's just a different vibe because Stress comes with travel and such.
0: Yeah. But also, if it would be every weekend, it wouldn't be special anymore. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, I feel a little bit sorry for all the people outside of Europe that they only get like one race or if they are lucky, two. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's difficult. But inside of Europe, you can basically, if you want to, go to more or less every race
1: oh someday maybe i'll uh transplant my life when i retire yeah yeah, right i'll be an old lady with devil horns
0: <laughs> maybe maybe there's some rider than uh who just turned 18 <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> who <are> you <laughs> Stop!
1: Stop. <laughs> i am tired of this just talk to my friends. I can't because a lot of these riders look younger than they are. I don't know what it is because you would think motorcycle racing ages you. And I'm like, I swear he's 22 <laughs> again. Again.
0: This is like what every pedophile ever says. It's Stop. like, <laughs> she, looks- <laughs> is- she looks younger than she actually is. She's really mature for her age.
1: Oh, watching them ride motorcycles what's everyone's deal god now i'm look how red i am Fuck. i'm just no but it's
0: it's all fun and games
1: i'm gonna block you yeah i'm gonna jorge lorenzo this after this okay okay
0: I mean, as long as Pedro doesn't block me, I'm happy.
1: (gasps) I'm going to, okay, yeah. We'll have to see how this season unfolds in Moto2. And let me just grasp onto my Tony straws, even though I know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens.
0: I mean, the race in Austin was very, very intense. And I feel like we had the polar opposite reaction to the exact same race i was like yes he was like no
1: we were in the stands my friend and i with our tony flag in between us and i was we, i I was actually shaking i was so emotionally involved because he was pedro was riding tony's ass nearly the entire race i had to go back and rewatch because i mean Alonso was leading at some point but after those first three laps or so yeah it was just intense the entire freaking time i was i almost was kind of like when marini was following fabio in my mind i was just like i know you're gonna pass please just do it do it now like i wanted it to just happen it was too much for me to watch all those laps with pedro on tony's ass the whole time it was too much for my heart to handle
0: What's crazy was that Pedro was in front a couple of times, but he made some more or less uncharacteristic uh, mistakes, right? He's going wide or, uh, yeah, or...
1: His bike it was just com- white. And at one point, the I mean, when he was coming out of turn 15, his bike, like, and I I mean, Tony gained, like, who knows, half second or something. And I was like, oh, this is it. Tony's going to pull away. No, that didn't happen. That didn't yeah, happen.
0: Yeah, that was crazy. As soon as Tony had a gap, like, into braking zone and to turn one, the gap was gone. Exactly. Pedro is such a motherfucker on the brakes.
1: I was, i glad I got to... That's one of my favorite phrases you say, and that needs to be like my ringtone, motherfucker
0: on the brakes. <laughs> yeah, I mean it all Trademark. started It all started when he overtook Home Masia and Dennis Earnshu like in the last lap in Jerez in twenty twenty one. Because they were both breaking very late and Dennis Enschu didn't even make the corner. And Pedro overtook both of them inside at the apex like it was business as usual. And then in the last corner in Jerez, when everybody and Darren Binder and Dennis Enschu were crashing there. And he was, it was perfect. He was so late on the brakes but so narrow, but still made it work like nobody else could. And Dennis Enshu sent people flying and yeah, he got mad at me for the memes afterwards. He got really mad. Blocked? Not blocked? No, no, no. Okay. No, he, he was commenting like, oh, you have no balls. To, you can't say it to my face or whatsoever. Uh, I still have screenshots. Unfortunately, the, the account is banned. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it was crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, okay. So if you say uncharacteristic errors that Pedro made, since you're a Pedro expert, um, I thought Tony was riding more mature and solid than I've ever seen in my entire life during that race. So <laughs> are you telling me that Tony was ruffling uh, Pedro's feathers or what was causing those, the track was shitty? What do you think?
0: I mean, regarding Tony, I think he really came into his own at the end of last season. And I feel like he's doing a very good job of taking the experience he has, taking the package he has and maximizing it. While Pedro is like the more talented rider and I feel like the more skilled rider who has the best team on the grid with yes. Redbook KTM IO, it's like a cheat code to have them. And right now I feel like they're more or less level-headed. But then again, we had some bad tracks for Pedro. I mean, he isn't necessarily good in the rain, which is unfortunate, and Tony is super strong in the rain. Yes. And Cota isn't also the best track for Pedro. So oh, wow. I think it was more of a case that Pedro was totally at his limit, while Tony knew, okay, I have to push, I have to, and he wanted, but he didn't want to do anything stupid. So he yes. was still very, both of them. Both of them were very calm and collected, but still at the limit, but not over it. And that was beautiful to watch. But yes. I feel like it was more of a way where Tony is good at his track. He won there last year, too. Yeah. And Pedro isn't necessarily as good, so evened out. But I think Portimao, like Pedro's favorite track, Uh, he was smoking everybody. And I could see this happening like in the European rounds more where you saw him last year doing great races. I mean, in Jerez, it was shitty. He crashed, unfortunately. But in Le Mans, he did a great race until he crashed. And then in Mugello, he won. So, uh, yeah, he had a bit of a bumpy uh, rookie season. But then uh, again, and his leg break was unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, I feel like in Europe you will see uh, who's really the top dog there. But I feel like Tony Abolino has, like, the experience side. A little bit like Remy versus Raul. Raul was this incredibly talented rider nice. in his rookie season. Uh, crazy. It's so crazy. When you consider how much Peter struggled, it was so crazy what uh, Raul did. Um, and Remy was more mature, had the experience on his side. And it played out into his favor at the end of the season. Yeah. But yeah, Pedro then again has more experience than Raul and I think from a talent perspective it's better. So, yeah, I honestly I don't see a way how if anything doesn't uh result in maybe an injury or like mechanical failures and all of this stuff, but like from a riding perspective, I see nobody beating Pedro, but oh, I... I will say that Tony has the best shot at it because Tony is very, very good and he has some kind of a cool pace and cool personality to him that he can he can handle it, you know?
1: Yeah, and I mean, I was also excited about, you know, Alonzo Lopez and Aaron Kinnett. It's like I've been a fan of Kinnett since his Moto3 days and Moto2 has just been pretty frustrating being a Kinnett fan. It's like... yeah. I know we can't talk about that because...
0: Uh, but the memes are good.
1: The memes are good. <laughs> so we'll see. I'm, I guess I'm putting all my eggs in the Tony basket, even though I'm a fan of a lot of people in Moto2. But I don't know, Pedro. I, I don't know why I can't get on that train. I just can't. I Of course, I know he's a talent, but...
0: I've, for me, it's not like just that he's a talent, but also... He has this perfect balance between doing epic shit mm. and being super likable. So, yeah. for example, when, when he uh, had his first race in Doha, he finished second. Then he won from the pit lane. Then he played with Dennis Foggia in uh, in Portimao and won in Jerez, where he was doing epic shit. And then in Lamar, he crashed, but picked the bike up and still overtook everybody. So, yeah. And then it kind of evened out more where I feel like the pressure of the championship got to him a little bit more, but, uh, towards the end of the season, he was doing epic shit again. Why? You remember the, um, the, the scene in Portimao where he was waving to, uh, to Dennis Foggia.
1: I don't remember that. I'm
0: if I saw it, it was like after free practice and they were both looking at each other and Pedro was like waving. So, yeah. And, race is like in austin where pedro is just doing pedro stuff so yeah. it's it's nice i and mean he has of this... course
1: i cheer for all of them when he's dancing afterwards it's like yes of course i love it it's just it's stressful to watch one of my favorites be vying for first in that like uh, against the best guy on the grid it's like why why, yeah. why why
0: why 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 yeah and pedro is super friendly i mean when um I met him at uh, Rocco's last year in Barcelona, and I asked Remy if you could take a picture uh, of me and Pedro. And then Remy told him that uh, I run Mad Moto TV. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm seeing all your memes." And uh, I was like, "Yeah, but you don't follow me." And he was like, "No, I don't." I was no, and he put up, uh, pulled out his phone, and looked it up, and just followed me. Then I kind of, I kind of forced him to follow me. Well,
1: that one time i caught one of your uh post sprint race discussions was that after yeah Art the ig Keenan, lives he hopped in there and i was yeah. like i was excited for y'all
0: <laughs> yeah I, uh. this this is when i was a little bit starstruck so for a moment i forgot to speak how to speak english i was like <laughs> oh my god Peter's here!"
1: <laughs> i love it i love it because in the end we are all fans <laughs> yeah
0: yeah but I feel like when, when you get to know the rider behind it, it's yes. when you have like a personal connection and it's different, for example, with Remy, I mean, before I met him, it was just another rider, you know? I mean, I knew who he was, but it wasn't necessarily that I uh, really cared about anybody more, you know, because it was just... They were just riders. You only see them with the visor down. But when you meet the human behind it, you get a real different perspective on how things are going, how much they're sacrificing. I mean, uh, what he told me about his whole uh, upcoming when he went to Spain at a very young age, all the struggles he endured, and then seeing him win a world championship is so much better than just people winning world championships because every year there are three world champions. But... When you know the story behind it, it's a really special, and it makes it makes for a great uh, it makes for a great season. So I was never uh, never was I so happy uh, as when Remy won the championship because and and the race. Me and my girlfriend, we were in Valencia, and in Valencia you can see the whole track. You can see everything from um, turn one to the last corner, and only the start finish straight uh, you can't see. So we were uh, following uh, the pack. And you know, this meme with the Orang Utans where it's like, where Remy, right? Yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. It was exactly like this because we were only following him. Like, and then when Sam Lowe's was there and other people, um, they were overtaking each other. I was like, don't fuck it up. Please don't fuck it up. And then, then at the beginning of the race, there was this red flag because somebody crashed and spilled oil. And, uh, it was so nerve wracking because, you just knew what he had to go through and you knew how, yeah, how kind he was to us. So yeah. then uh, seeing him win was such a beautiful feeling and we were so happy. We were like cheering and, uh, yeah, like hugging each other, jumping around and other people were probably thinking, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was really, really nice. And yes. like this feeling I... I kind of got this feeling in 2009 watching Valentino beat Jorge in Catalonia, mm-hmm. but those feelings are very rare when, when you're like, okay, this has to work out. And when it works out, you're so exact, uh, extratic, ecstatic, whatever. Ecstatic. Ecstatic. That's yeah, the word. word. Um, and yeah, then Valent- Valentino's last race, and before the before the start, I was crying. Yeah. It was such a beautiful uh, race weekend. I mean, with Valentino, I my whole life. I'm I'm born in 1998. My whole life, I know nothing else but Valentino Rossi on a MotoGP bike. So like the first race i remember in 2003 in Phillip island uh, my dad was cooking something and i was watching motogp and uh, vale was like in p8 or something overtaking everybody and i was like yeah Vale's seventh he's sixth and he was like oh stop kidding me he can't be That's good because he was all, he was playing with everybody you know and through my entire life my entire childhood i grew up with valentino being vale and then all of a sudden it was over it was really emotional when you think about all of this, because it's not just him winning race. It's it's all the memories I have with my mom, with my dad, with my friends or whatsoever and all the ups and downs. And yeah, it's so, it's so emotional. And then to have, Pedro and winning the championship in, uh, in Portimao where he's doing all this epic shit and we're just, <laughs> yeah. And um, Darren Binder almost wiping him out, but then wipes out like Dennis uh, Foggia. Uh, luckily, I mean, if not.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, it would have been a different story. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, I'm not too kind to Darren Binder anyways, but if he would have wiped out Pedro that day, it would have been over. um But uh yeah, then Remy winning the title, Wallace last race, and it was such a great season. And to me, the 21 season is still the best season ever because uh, nothing changes. Uh, like, I mean, you,
1: you can't see my shirt, but that was yeah, the year I got my yeah. champion, <laughs> which I, I never imagined. Yeah, it yeah. was emotional.
0: I saw uh, Fabio winning the title in uh, Misano. Misano? Yeah, that, you were I was there, there, there that year. Ah! Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. I was right here in my living room crying. my Because that day, you know, we still had, what, four or five races left? And I remember sitting right here drinking my coffee and talking at the TV. Fabio, you've got next weekend if this doesn't work out. And I hated that it was because Peko crashed out that it happened. But I I was like, okay, I guess this is just how it was supposed to end. Unreal.
0: But thinking about it, it's like the most Peko way of losing a championship.
1: <laughs> I feel like it's hard for me to comment on Peko because I just he's he's one of my good friend's favorite writers and I love him for her. But to me, he's literally under the radar. Like I know he was leading that the last half of the season was just epic. But in my mind I just don't remember any of it. Which is sad. He's obviously an incredible rider, but I just, I guess, because he's got a more mellow personality. And look at all my favorites. They have big clown town personalities and wear bright colored clothes. So I don't know. I don't know why he's so under my radar.
0: Yeah, but also the way he wins races, like except Aragon uh, in twenty twenty one when he was <laughs> battling with Marcus, like the way he usually wins his races is super boring.
1: Because he's just there's
0: nothing there's nothing epic about him. It's not Jorge like,
1: Lorenzo. Don't they call that yeah. Jorge Lorenzoing?
0: Yeah. It's super boring. And I mean at least Mark Marcus was interesting. At least uh, Pedro is interesting. So yeah. and yeah it's it's I a little do... bit I do like pin- those pin-
1: battles because that's the same with Fabio. He would win races by just getting up front and winning. So, yeah, we need maybe Moto Two is where I just need to look for good racing.
0: Yeah, and Moto Three.
1: Moto Three is the best. Moto Three is the peak for best racing. It just gives me—I have to watch it at like 5 a, 4 or five a.m. and it's—it's uh, it's a lot. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but it's worth it.
1: It is. It's, it, it really it's is. So
0: crazy. And usually it's enough to watch like the last five laps so you can sleep an extra minute, 20 minutes.
1: Now I'll, I'll wake up for all the babies.
0: <laughs> and uh, Diogo Mojera is actually a very nice dude. I <gasps> met him in uh, Barcelona and uh, we were talking a little bit. He's super, super friendly. But what's The most incredible thing about him, he has those incredibly big-ass hands. I don't know if you ever recognize that motorcycle racers have the biggest hands ever. And Yogu, he's tiny, and we have a photo together. Um, I'll send it to you later. We have a photo together. He goes, like, to my chest area whatsoever. He's, like, from a feeling, like, 170-ish and not not even 170 um, centimeters. But his hands are bigger than mine, and it's crazy. Yeah, and Remy also has these big-ass hands. So
1: does Fabio, so does Mark. I mean, I have noticed some of the upper-class, yeah, I just... Yeah, what's up with that?
0: It's, yeah, probably just because they can squeeze uh, the brake harder. I'll send you the picture. Uh, Wait a second. I did not
1: get a picture with him, but my friend from Brazil, did. Yeah, I I don't know why I, I... I feel weird asking for pictures with some people, but not with others. I used to just be all about getting.
0: I don't know why, but I'm always looking pretty ugly when I'm taking uh pictures with writers. This is relatable to me, because I feel like I'm just always so excited that I... <laughs> <laughs> but it's also nerve-wracking.
1: Yes, I'm in my fangirl mode. Ah!
0: Yeah, but it has to be this way, you know? I'll send you my favorite picture with uh with Pedro,
1: yes, you know I did not see Pedro once in the paddock in Austin this year, but my my friend Claudio said, "Oh yeah, I got his autograph, so I don't know. I think sometimes I just have a radar for my favorites, and that's all I see,
0: yeah, but that's the most important i guess i sent oh, yes, I sent you Pedro <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you're really tall and he's I would guess shorter. That's a fantastic photo.
0: Yeah, it's not like, I don't think he's even one meter and 70 centimeters.
1: Yeah, and see, look, I don't know centimeters. I'm like, I'm 5'10", and I'm much taller than a lot of the riders, but Fabio and I are about the same height. Both the speed-up guys in Moto2, I was like, oh, I don't have to crouch down for these photos. Furman and Alonso, they're taller guys.
0: Yeah, Furman is really tall. I saw him uh, at Rockers.
1: And his hair adds like an inch or two, which relatable, because I do the same.
0: (laughs) Okay, I found the picture with Diogo. It was in the shared album we had uh, for the Barcelona trip, because we went, uh, my girlfriend and I went with her brother and his girlfriend, so we had a shared album of uh, us four, so every Apple user, I can recommend shared albums because it's just super convenient. But yeah, it wasn't in my gallery; it was just in uh, the in album. the shared album. But and yeah, that's... I sent to I sent it to you with your. Oh, He's a little bit taller oh, than.
1: Uh, it. It's huge, right? What it looks like a a mannequin hand is. What the heck? I don't know what is going on there. That does not yeah, look um, like it
0: belongs to this man, but it's actually as big as my hand.
1: Yeah, what the? I mean, hell? in
0: uh, in feet, I'm six four. Okay, so I'm pretty tall. Yeah, and I don't feel like my hands are too big, but like <laughs> usually big. it's it's huge. <laughs>
1: What the hell? Now I'm gonna be on hand watch with everyone.
0: <laughs> Probably a theory is when they were uh, when they were growing and racing motorcycles, their hands were so overstimulated that it just grew bigger. Because like when you get all the growth hormone uh, in in your face uh, where you're growing, and all of a sudden your hands are so much more. Um, so much more used than normal yeah i could imagine i'm not a doctor i don't know that they just grow bigger
1: that's weird to think about because yeah mark is a small guy and he's got humongous hands weird yeah very weird someone needs to study this
0: <laughs> yeah some anyone doctor. out
1: there in college yeah <laughs> it can be your thesis motorcycle racer hands freaky
0: You know we're not asking for pictures. We're just comparing hand sizes.
1: Hey, bro, can I just? (laughs) I would get get escorted out of the paddock. I can't (laughs) do I can't do shit like that.
0: (laughs) We gotta say no homo first, and then you can touch him. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, uh, now I'm off the rails. I'm an, I'm a loud American. Oh my yeah.
0: god. Shit. People in Italy would know you.
1: <laughs> oh if I could just get a silencer on my voice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like the ones they put in an exhaust.
1: <laughs> yes, or in a gun, I guess is what I was thinking.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh no, I'm from Texas. No.
0: Yeah, something you can uh, <laughs> screw over your mouth. <laughs>
1: will say when i was in the crowd so friday i went solo to the track uh, at misano and i i'm rowdy i want to be like Woo! It was loud and no one was doing that so i just kind of went with the crowd and just kept it quiet and then the next day i met with my friend and i said is it okay if i scream during the race or stand up and she's like I don't know. I think I didn't want to embarrass her, so I kept it under wraps pretty well. Uh, uh, the crowd got the crowd got a little spicy when Jack Miller wrecked because everyone thought it was Pecco. The man next to me was like, "Again, again!" I don't know, and I was like, oh, it's Miller. It's not. It's not Pecco." <laughs>
0: but then Pecco crashed
1: <laughs> last year. Didn't it was him versus Bastianini? Remember? Oh, that was a, I thought okay. you were
0: talking about this year. I'm sorry. No. Because Jack Miller crashed uh, this year again.
1: No, this was at Misano. But yes, oh, Jack Jack oh,
0: Miller oh, I, did crash. Oh, this year. I thought oh, oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Austin uh, no. this year, but you were talking about Misano last year.
1: Austin I was being a loud American because all the loud Americans were with
0: yeah, in in Misano, it was okay to be loud when Vale was passing. So everybody oh. uh, at the Grandstands was shouting Vale. Oh, um, I
1: love that! We were yeah. in the Yamaha stand, so we're in the doldrums.
0: <laughs> yeah, but apart from that, everybody was shutting the fuck up.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Okay, I guess I have to do that when I'm in Austria too. Yeah, But it's not like my but, favorites are going to be up front. Ah, Zarco and Jorge might. I don't know.
0: Remember when Fabio overtook Jack Miller in, it was right in front of us, and the whole grandstand went nuts. That's awesome. It was like the only interesting thing that of, happened. The entire
1: race, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, that gives me chills. But yeah, sometimes, yeah. sometimes we have to feel those moments, because yeah, it'll be a really boring ass race.
0: I made the video um, of the overtake when uh, with the UFC commentators with uh, Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier. Uh, do you know those reaction videos when somebody gets knocked out and they're completely losing their mind?
1: I feel like I've seen still frame um, memes where they're like, "Yeah," but I don't know about. I'll, I'll have to look up your what race yeah, was it? I posted
0: it. I posted it on Bad Moto GP Memes uh, three, so it should okay. be rather easy to find. Uh, I don't know if you follow it. It's just where I post all my evil stuff. I don't know. Um, Maybe I should
1: find it. I think you said not for easily offended.
0: No, nah, I mean, not for easily offended is all of my memes, but uh, <laughs> I said it, you should be over 18.
1: Ah, uh, Well, I'm I, uh, that's not me. I guess I can't <laughs> be part of that. <laughs> Sorry,
0: I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, I made the reaction video. Uh, but, I, you know, I would love to post these kind of memes, but I can't because of the copyright thing. And yeah. It would be amazing. But Or like Jake Dixon crashing in the uh, in the warm-up lab. You know the video of the English pub where they are uh, celebrating and everybody's uh, throwing beer.
1: Oh, yes, because... English pub. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's a video with just the green screen um, edited in so you can put anything in there and for example this would be extremely funny to have jack dixon crashing in the warm-up lab and the old, <laughs> old pub going nuts
1: damn it we need to get this i don't know hopefully it'll be within the next few years that there will be some changes that you can make those because it just brings more fans come yeah. on now
0: yeah but regarding jake dixon he's like in this fabio group but i don't think you're a big fan of him how does that know. come
1: i don't know i've just never been a fan of jake dixon uh i just i talked to my friend claudio about this he's like my original in real life moto gp friend that would go to watch the races with me and see me going psycho for zarco in 2017 and I don't know how I picked my favorites. It's just kind of personalities and writing style. I just thought Zarko was aggressive. And I mean, everyone hated him at the beginning because he was so aggressive and wild. Um, so I don't know how I got my favorites and how I don't really care about some people like Jake Dixon or um, Pedro. But if other people like them, I like, I'm like, yay, good for them. You know?
0: Yeah. But. Yeah, was it Jake? I mean, I don't have a personal problem with him, but I'm getting annoyed by all the people who are always telling everybody that he's a championship contender. And he, I've I summed it up one day uh, where I said Jake Dixon isn't as good as people want him to be, and that's the problem. And it's funny to make fun of him. So yeah, it's,
1: it's true. It's well, I, do you kind of feel like the British writers have a lot of fans behind them just because they're British? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sam Lowe's is the freaking nicest guy. I I can sit there and have a conversation with him. I got to do a little interview with him and he like three or four years ago via Zoom. And he's just the nicest freaking guy. I could just see myself being friends with him. But has he ever? I mean, I was here when he was in that MotoGP year. He just has had some poor luck. I don't know how long you keep riding.
0: Yeah, with him it was unfortunate, uh, a little bit like Remy and KTM. He was put in the worst, worst. situation you can put a rookie in and then exactly. after a year he gets dropped. So that's that should be illegal, but
1: Well, that whole team folded, right? Cuz Frankie was no, no, on that no. team. No, no, no.
0: He was uh he was riding for uh, Aprilia factory.
1: Oh, was he? No, I thought yeah. that was Bradley Smith. I thought Sam Lowes And Frankie were both on that crappy Honda team. I don't know. No. No. It was
0: Frankie and Uh, Tito Rabat.
1: No, what's his name? He was in Moto2 forever.
0: Yeah, Tito Rabat.
1: Riding with Dynavolt. Oh, I can't think of his name.
0: Jonas Folger.
1: No, another guy that's maybe Swiss. Oh, my
0: gosh. Tom Luty.
1: Yes, Luty.
0: Oh, yes, it wasn't Robert. Yeah, 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 sorry, now I'm going off into all these
1: shitty teams. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, uh, Mark VDS Racing was a strange thing over a couple of years where they had, like, the Moto2 team. Then they merged with Estrella Galicia and had teams everywhere, but they were kind of shitty except in Moto2, and now they're doing only Moto2 again, and it felt like it was a little too much for the whole team.
1: Yeah, weird times. Yeah, it's weird to think back to, yeah, but Tito Rabat and all these names that, well, he's back in Moto E.
0: I mean, try to convince somebody who watched like MotoGP since, whatever, 2019 or 16 even, that there were CRT bikes. And now they're complaining about eight Ducatis when we had like four competitive bikes on the grid, the two Rhapsols and the two Yamahas, and everybody else was shit
1: exactly i even I mean, stefan
0: brade made it onto the podium once yeah i mean it was a miracle
1: yeah i like it better now i know people are like oh we don't know what's going on there's not a real championship there's no clear title but well this year it is peco seems like the clear favorite but i kind of like the uncertainty i didn't like when it was like the same three people on the podium every weekend
0: yeah, but a season like 2015 was really intense, and we have when you have a championship battle between Vale and Roche, yeah. it's super nice. And unfortunately, the season ended the way it ended. But you know, this gets a level of excitement rather than a 2020 where Mir all of a sudden wins the championship, whereas nobody uh, was seeing coming.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so you've been watching for way longer than I have. I just have. 17 through now, so. Oh. Marquez dominance.
0: Yeah, sad.
1: 17, 18, 19, and then it's just been weird since then.
0: Yeah, but uh, I think now it's still yes, peckle but he's doing everything he can to keep it interesting.
1: Yeah, I I wonder if it's just a fluke, kind of like the beginning of last season when he's just getting used to the bike.
0: Yeah, but then again, how often do you want to go through this process, so I don't understand what's going on. If I was Ducati I would sign Pedro and uh live my life happy towards the end of time. And uh Yeah, I mean if you're Inea Bastianini, you are very happy right now that Peko is so incompetent at not crashing.
1: Yeah, I mean I was excited about the Inea pecco Championship, but we haven't got to see that yet. But yeah, as you just said, Peko uh, threw away some points, so it's not as hopeless for Inea right now.
0: It's not impossible that uh, Inea makes up 50 points over the whole season.
1: Yeah, we haven't got to see him ride in a full MotoGP race this season, so anything yeah. can happen.
0: Anything can happen, and usually everything will happen.
1: Yes, except Fabio won't win that probably won't happen but I can at least still support
0: you will get a lot of disappointed Lynn Jarvis memes this <laughs> yay <season. laughs>
1: yes yeah, so I have to get my joy slash sadness from your page <laughs>
0: yeah thanks
1: it's a little bit of both
0: yeah I really hope that uh, the Pedro hype train continues and that he won't go to KTM
1: oh true but I don't know, we'll see what happens.
0: We see what happens, and we have uh half past two a m in the morning here <laughs> oh right now. those fucking uh time zones, yeah, I feel like the little break in the middle, I really hope I can somehow recover the files or uh, whatsoever, but yeah. um, I don't know how long we are into it right now i are we roughly three hours in. <laughs> With everything, <laughs> so. <laughs> hey. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoy talking to you, but I'm certainly getting to a point right now where I just want to sleep. Yes, for and, sure. Um, yeah, thank you very much for uh, joining me. Thank you very much for all of your amazing content. I still remember when I was a rather small page. I was uh, looking up to your page and I thought your stuff was really funny. I was like, oh, my God. oh now i Um, get
1: your boost anytime i get reposted by you i really appreciate it
0: (laughs) yeah but uh, i'm just returning the favor so thank you you very much for uh joining me thank you very much for your time for everything you did over the past couple of years and hopefully uh you won't get banned for uh being in the paddock (laughs)
1: Yes, hopefully, fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, hopefully, with the new, uh, with the new, I forgot. You know, it's in, it's, it's in the middle of the night. What's his, uh, what's his what's C- his position? Chief C- commercial
1: marketing officer or something?
0: Yeah, I believe it's CCO, chief commercial officer. This dude from the NBA, you know. Hopefully, with him, a lot changes and we can have some video memes. Yes, I don't get why you can't just post like one minute clips or whatsoever. But, uh, yeah, thank you very much. I really look forward to the European races, even though I must say I really enjoy those primetime races in Europe. Like when I feel like Austin was a little bit too late, but Argentina was nice where you had like a couple of hours time time difference, but it was evening, everything was said and done, and you could just live your life, watch MotoGP, and then go to bed. That was nice.
1: Living the life.
0: Yeah, you have to get up earlier for the European rounds, right?
1: Yeah, uh, usually 4am or 5am for Moto3. I'm a crazy one! I know, but it's okay, we'll wait for the flyaways, that's when I get prime time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, nice, that's when I get the 5am okay so thank you uh very much for joining me again and everybody who doesn't know please check out uh, gp sillies it's gp sillies in one word or is there like a dot or an underscore one word okay one word gp sillies (laughs)
1: thank you
0: thank you very much (laughs) and goodbye
1: bye